Cool. Alrighty then. Welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm joined by debutant FI Focus, otherwise known as Alex. How you doing, mate? Very well, thanks, Pat. How are you doing? You? You good? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, just got home. Uh, tiring day. Another long My parents day. were watching. Yeah, they were watching Rock for the Ages or something like that with. Um, right with uh what's his name tom cruise i okay. it looks really weird i'd never thought that tom cruise would could sing i don't even know he's lip syncing everything but that was, that was strange and also a strange way to start the show uh absolutely why, yeah. why, don't, you, <laughs> why don't you tell us a bit about yourself uh obviously sure. it's your debut so maybe some of the listeners won't know much about you your football index journey up until this point cool yeah so uh, yeah my name's alex as you said uh i'm 26 i live in southampton uh, and I've been on Football Index for coming up to 15 months now. So I joined at the end of uh, January. Um, I've been on Twitter as FI Focus, as you said. Literally was my one-year anniversary this week. I got a little message uh, from Twitter about that. Um, people might have been following me for a little while. What I tend to try and do is tweet about my portfolio, but also try and you know to get a lot of opinions from across the the spectrum of football index there's a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions and i try and weigh all that up and throw my two pence worth in that's what i try and do you know day to day um i'm a reasonably small time trader on football index my portfolio now stands at about five thousand two hundred pounds last time i checked which was 15 odd minutes ago so (laughs) hopefully it's not gone (laughs) hopefully nothing's gone too wrong in those 15 minutes um so yeah, I've been investing slowly but surely over the last 15 months, started with the £500 risk-free um, and then have been adding to it slowly, slowly, a couple of deposit bonuses have topped that up nicely. Um, but apart from that, as I say, it's, it's a slow build and up to the point where I am now and hopefully it's going to continue to, to con- like that going forward. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's really cool. Uh, it's it's good to to see that you've been kind of uh, sensibly building that pot. Yeah. Uh, well, what would your advice to new traders be who are kind of you know starting with a little bit, uh, nothing that they can't afford to lose, and um, they're a bit skeptical, maybe a bit scared. How, yeah. how would you one? Uh, what would advice would you give to those in terms of trying to actually like learn the platform and get more comfortable with it? And then if they do decide to put more money into it, how would you go about doing that? I think the good thing about Football Index and where it is at the moment is that um, it's there's enough history with the product that there's a lot of experienced traders out there who can offer some real useful advice. So what I would say, apart from things like obviously this podcast, which has, has been great to myself and other new traders, a lot of good people on Twitter, a lot of good information on the forums. And I think Windex as a, as a, as a business is communicating the product a lot better now, certainly when I, than when I joined, I think the, the dividend structure is now clear. The general communication is clear, how you can profit on players, how to make money on the platform is a lot clearer now than I can never remember it being 12 months ago, six months ago and before. And in terms of if I was a new trader now, what would I want to know? I'd want to know, you know, that if I'm putting my money in, even if it's money that is effectively gambling money, which is how I treat my money, it's it's not money that uh, I could, you know, if the money all lost, if I lost all my money, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, I would say that you need to start slowly but surely. Don't rush into it. Make sure you build it up slowly. Do your research and all the players that you're going to buy. Don't impulse buy would be 
how I would want to start initially. Um, and then try and grow from there slowly but surely, gain more confidence in the product, gain more confidence in your trades, and just learn as you're going along. Make a Keep a diary if that's what you, you want to do. It's something I did when I first started on the platform. And from there, I think confidence grows, and then you'll be more likely to, to maybe put more money in when you're ready. Yeah, it's that cliched thing, the, the more you learn, the more you earn. Yeah, definitely. It, it certainly is true, and, and it does pay dividends. Again, no uh, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, to, to, to know more about the platform and, you know, to know more about football, to be more informed about, you know, a, a, a player's, uh, you know, statistical outputs, X, Y, and Z, um, and just in general researching the product and, and uh and fixtures for example I, I think the more you know the more information you have the more well-informed an opinion Definitely, you can make yeah. that's about anything not just about football index so i i treat you know uh are you more likely to do well in an exam that you like revise loads for probably can you get lucky on football index yeah of course you can can you get lucky in an exam probably. i think you're going to be less so likely think, to be yeah. lucky on football index going forward i think in the last 12 months mm. we've seen uh and this isn't a fact of course that it's hard. It's been hard to lose, harder to lose on Football Index. If you buy 100 players in Football Index, you're likely to make profit across those 100 players in the last 12 months. Going forward, uh, I do think that is going to change somewhat. And I do think that you will need to be more selective and need to be a better trader Hmm. in order to continually make profit definitely well we'll get into that stuff in a bit but um before we get into the questions because we honestly we had so many i thought you know i'd get away with it again just doing it the day before the recording um but have you got any uh what about a poll should we do a poll is there anything that you want to know is there anything you desperately want to get the the opinions of the uh fi community of um i think in i know we're going to go into a, a lot of the the share split related chat later on but i really want to know if traders are more likely to invest in in in-play dividends now compared to pre the share split announcement last monday i think it's really interesting for me if on my opinion is that in-play dividends have, have been overlooked since day one when they were bought in i think now with the increase in in-play dividends i think they're even more attractive and I still think they're not being looked at completely. And I'm interested to see if other traders also think that or whether the focus for them is still very much on the traditional um, media and performance side. Are you more likely to buy in-play dividend players now rather than you, rather than before the share split? Yeah. Uh, there we go. Yes or no. That's a simple. It's a simple yes or no answer. That's not. That's not complicated too much. Easy <laughs> as. We'll we'll uh, we'll revisit that at some point. But uh, before we get into the questions, and as I mentioned or alluded to, there are quite a few. You guys can also catch my face as well as my voice on YouTube. So if you just go on Football Index Guide at YouTube, um, you can find me there making videos about all sorts of stuff. Just finished the Bank Builder series, but I haven't uploaded it yet. I'm going to make a video soon. Got to a thousand pounds finally after like eighteen months or something like that. Spoiler. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert! Uh, if you didn't get the tweet, if you didn't get the memo, didn't get the the carrier pigeon, uh, it got there. So I'm just deciding what to do with that split series. It, you know, another spoiler. It might it might actually split into two series, which would be quite funny. Um, if you guys want to see some writing and read some good stuff, then the Football Index blog, myself, uh, Liam, who is Football Index LM, and the wonderful Fi Trader, who does his daily blog, uh, as well as now Buzzing Paul, who's basically going to be 
getting stats from previous performances. So say if you wanted to know how how good uh, Jamie Vardy's scoring would have been in a hat-trick against uh, whoever it was, you know, when they won the, the title, then Paul's going to be our man for that. If you want to uh, listen to my voice speak about football and, and not just Football Index, then head over to the State of Play podcast. Uh, that's with Matt Santangelo. We recently profiled uh, Nicolo Barella, the guy who's been chased by uh, a host of Premier, uh, Premier League clubs and European clubs, as well as talking Ronaldo versus Messi, that old debate. If you want to collaborate with me, uh, then hit me up on football.index.guy at gmail.com or my dms are open so it's for sponsorship and all that stuff that's where to hit me up uh please do leave a review on the podcast recently hit the uh top 60 on itunes there's like over 100 reviews and if you haven't subscribed already what are you waiting for the button is right there right there the first question was from barry coles a uh, football index favorite i i don't really know anyone who doesn't like this bloke on twitter and he was uh i, I forgot what episode he was on but he was great um it was really really funny he made me laugh out loud a few times his question was with the two-piece spread now on the cheapest players will this finally put an end to some of the ridiculous pumping and dumping or have we not seen the last of wataro endo and his <laughs> merry men on the trending list so you know for, for, for those living under a rock uh you know the share split has happened um me and uh alex are recording wednesday the the 27th of march so this sunday is uh it's going to be the 31st by the time you guys listen to this uh some of the players that are now 8p at the bottom of the index have essentially a 25 percent spread um so do we think this is going to stop the kind of pumping and dumping that we've seen of these like pretty much random players there's no reason for them to rise it's pretty arbitrary i think uh apart from every month it being quite entertaining seeing endo and a few other guys randomly pop to the top of the training list and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. I think in reality, the share split, and if they are, the 25% spreads on those players are going to be maintained. It makes it, as a percentage term, much less attractive for so-called pumping and dumping. We all look at it, we all believe it happens. I don't think it's going to stop it. I don't think it's going to stop people looking at opportunities at the bottom of the market where seemingly there's no good reason for a player to rise other than either one guy or a group of guys getting together and say let's pump this player up see if we can catch anyone i suppose um i don't think it's going to bring an end to that because there's always going to be collusion in the market i think there's always going to be groups of traders who are working together like that or one trader who's you know got money to burn and that's what they want to do with it it's not something i would ever do i don't see the point i think it's a generally is a waste of time and i can't see especially now with 25 percent spreads or you know something around that that that's ever going to pay dividends and that that is not hmm. a pun that was because <laughs> it definitely will not pay dividends. straight up fact <laughs> yeah um i yeah i i don't think it will but it's obviously this this split has made the market thicker and i think i alluded to this in the previous episode with uh, Nick, who who used to be in the Football Index's marketing team, I kind of thought I said there are some people who are kind of speculating that prices will be faster in the the, the you know uh, positive direction. But I I I kind of talked about how I'm not sure if that was um, wise or if that was in Football Index's. Um, in in their favor yes so i i'm 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 not surprised that you know we've seen the kind of thickening of the market even if it was you know the only thing that football index could do mathematically obviously i think we've probably seen that kind of um 
that that price curve slightly adjusted by fi in the in the past i was talking to a few traders who were around that the, the last share split and they were talking about how um you could buy 40 previously and then it was 100 after so you know that there's there's room for there's scope for change yes. in, in that uh, area uh, i believe uh, or anyway that's that's what i've been led to believe i think the the key thing for me in all of this is actually when you look at the trending list as in, in its current guise, I think that in itself is a problem. I don't think the trending list is an effective tool for promoting players on Football Index because the players that are top of the trending list and the way it's done currently as a percentage increase, I don't really see the benefit of that to anyone, be that existing traders or new traders. So if you've got existing traders who know that the trending list is effectively, it's not telling you anything other than so-and-so at the bottom of the index has had a few pence added so it's gone up 30 percent what does that and it certainly doesn't help new traders when they look at that and go oh those must be the guys that everyone really wants to buy because trending implies to me the word itself implies you know this is something that's hot property it's something to be involved in and it's clearly not the case so if it was up to me i would certainly i would actually remove the trending list altogether and replace it with actually with useful information such as the I don't know the pound rises. I think pound rises is a better indicator than than, than percentage. Uh, but actually, I I'm not sure that's the best solution either. But something there which is actually going to help traders is a better use of the space on the homepage. For me. I've just had a look. Just as you were chatting there, Pepe is up fifty five point six two percent in the past twenty four hours, and I think it's. It was probably quite recent, but he's gone from 14p to 21p. So that's, you know, effectively he's got up, um, you know, 7p, which is a, third, a half of his original price, which is crazy. Um, so, you know, we're, we're still going to see those. And you're right, you know, now that we have these lower prices, if they do move and if they do see some traction, and I mean the pumping, then we're going to see those big percentage increases, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's that is dangerous to to new traders and especially at this time crucial time of the index with the share split you hoping that in around that that's going to attract new traders and a different type of trader as well than maybe has been we've had in the past you might get more people who are putting you know 20 quid 50 quid 100 quid in they might not want to go for a neymar or a pogba or something they might think you know something something like pepe who's actually a well-known guy uh to, to a lot of casual football fans will know Pepe from Real Madrid and from Portugal um, and they might see him on the trend list and go oh that's great I know him I'm going to put my money on him and then all of a sudden that gets taken out from underneath them that 100 quid turns into 80 they withdraw and that money's lost and that's a trader loss that's the fear and I think in a worst case scenario that's that that does happen certainly mm, mm. I, I do think that's one thing that we're very wary of obviously as a community and that we don't want to happen is people coming on uh, and being discouraged by Absolutely, people yeah. that, are, that are kind of uh, you know practicing the dark arts let's say uh, uh, next question is from uh, fpl addict uh, chris who was on the podcast a, a few weeks ago do you see much change in trading on old players some very good options for in-play dividends at, at the more bargain-looking prices after the share split. So do you think there's going to be a, an attitude change in this? I mean, this this goes back to the, the poll that we set at the start of the, the, the show, is that from my perspective, in-play dividends have been overlooked to a, to a large degree since they were uh, bought in. And certainly since they were firmed up, I think. I think the initial 
um, frenzy around uh, what was known as uh, G&A dividends, wasn't it, when it was when it was brought in firstly. Um, there was a bit of a buzz then. And I do think since then we've seen a lot less trading on in-play dividends. Um, what I would say is that now with potentially less volatility in pricing, this might encourage more in-play trading only because when a goal goes in at the old prices, a player might go up 10, 12, 15 pence. And then you look a minute later and they're back down to their their levels, they, you know, where they were. Um, and I think that would have put a lot of people, it certainly put me off because if I'm not reacting quickly enough, I can't profit, I could end up actually losing money. It, it would certainly put me off. I think in terms of in-play dividends, in-play dividend players, such as uh, Fabio Quagliarella, um, players like that, they are certainly more valuable now with an whatever the increase in dividends is, is 88% or something, isn't it, in, on in-play dividends. I think that cannot do anything but increase their value because especially players like Quagliarella with a low PB, low media attention, he's not going to get any media buzz. They effectively, before in-play dividends were, if not worthless, they were certainly lower value players for a good reason but now there's a genuine reason to hold in play dividend players for a 30-day period because the the returns are definitely worth it in my opinion and I think actually they were already good value and I think it's unsurprising that Football Index has decided to to put so much attention on the in play dividends now to try and attract your your average gambler because that's clearly where they're going with with the in play dividends Hmm. isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens this Friday. I'll be, uh, you know, actually playing some footy myself, right. so uh, <laughs> won't be won't be in to see some of the action. But I'll be certainly see certainly interested to see, you know, afterwards when I have a look. Um, what what the actions have been like what has the price what has the price done have people bought is there going to be like more of a long tail on the rises like because beforehand we saw you know quagriarella could go up uh 5p in a night and then go down 7p uh, i don't know if we'll see that i think we might see you know him go up 4p and then reduce 1p and then maybe go up 2 or 3p in the in the in the weeks coming or the days coming if he has good fixtures or if people kind of if that's kind of when people are cottoning on i think it'll be certainly at the start i think we'll see like more gradual rises um but i but again yeah you're right like the returns are there there is, you know, those are indisputable, um, that there are large returns to be won in terms of the actual in-play dividends being paid out by Football Index. And now, of course, with the announcement that we had today, lucky yes, us, Alex, absolutely, they, yeah. uh, they announced, uh, again, if you're living under a rock and you're listening to this podcast, um, Football Index are now going to be paying out in-play dividends on a daily basis rather than a weekly basis, which was usually Tuesday and Wednesday. And psychologically, that's going to make it feel a lot more um, like you are actually making more money from dividends because it did feel like a, a weekly bonus didn't it beforehand absolutely and i think in play dividends for me whenever i whenever i received them it, it did feel exactly what you just said there it felt like a bonus it doesn't feel like in play and i think that's where the the crux of the problem maybe was with a lot of traders is that it was almost a second afterthought for them whereas now if you're getting paid the same day like with the um the performance and the media dividends, 
I think it's going to certainly feel much more worthwhile. And actually, when Football Index, as they said before, gets the point where they're paying out in real time, which I know that was a an overall aim for the project at some point down the line, it's going to be really interesting to see how that changes it because that then obviously increases the the fluidity in the market, increases you know the opportunity for that reinvestment, constant reinvestment. Um, of course, that the negative to that potentially is that it discourages holding and it dis- encourages flipping. Um, at the, I think at the moment, it, paying out at the end of the day in line with other dividends is a sensible way to do it. Um, and I'm, I, I think it would definitely have a positive impact in the short term. Mm, definitely, definitely. I'm just looking at our poll now and it's uh, got 150 votes so far, uh, but I'll... Uh... Uh, I think it's it's actually nearly 50-50. So that's interesting. We'll, we'll get back to that one in a minute. Uh, FI Charlie, in play dividends got the biggest percentage increase. Do you expect to see higher volumes of trades in play on these types of players, mainly structures under a pound? So uh, maybe not talking about the older players, but we've already kind of discussed this. Um, uh, do you think like... I, I kind of... It's interesting to me to see the under a pound thing constantly talked about when... I actually think that maybe, just maybe, the current structure and the daily payout kind of thing will actually make it more uh, likely that money goes into larger players or bigger players. Because you imagine it, right, Alex? Like, uh, we're we're on it now. And if Messi scores three goals, um, suddenly you can buy him and get that money the next day, right? That's a lot more powerful than, oh, it's a discount psychologically, but you pay you get the money next week it's kind of like a a self loan in your head you know what i mean you're kind of moving money from one side to the other you're kind of justifying it to yourself because oh wait i'm actually going to get a bit of cash back the uh, the other week uh, or next week it's like kind of when uh, banks do cash back on credit cards some some do it instant some do it like you know in a week it's kind of that same psychological effect i think yeah 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 no i, I know i know what you're talking about there and i think it's interesting that the question from Charlie, the under a pound, that's very much a uh, purely a psychological thing as well. The whole round figures, round numbers, the fact that a player, you know, suddenly when the share split happened, people were popping up over Twitter saying so-and-so is now under a pound. It's like all of a sudden that's suddenly good value, despite actually, of course, their intrinsic value didn't change. Going back to the, the question in hand, I think high volume of trades potentially i think maybe not on the one goal players but like you said if somebody scores a hat trick i'm just thinking of an example from before the share split where um waldschmidt the uh can't even remember who he plays for so a german a german team so Wolfs- he was Wolfsburg, a, doesn't he Wolfsburg, that's it yeah so i i bought him for in play dividends and he, he scored twice i think in a game and all of a sudden, that return that really got people interested at two two goals, at three goals when um, there was a guy who scored it, Weghorst. Yeah, oh uh, no, Weg, 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 Weghorst is the guy that, that plays for Wolfsburg. We 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 know who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about. We, we definitely don't sound unprofessional now. So, <laughs> so but but where, if you take Weghorst then uh, scoring a hat trick, that now will get real attention for a player who he could potentially, if he scores a hat trick, that's that's three p in dividends for a player who's under fifty p. That's a huge ROI in one game. That's just what if you're say fifty p, that's six percent, six percent ROI in ninety minutes. 
is a big, big return on investment. That's why I think these in-play dividends are really going to start when people start realizing the value and they start seeing when a player, especially a low value player, scores a hat trick or gets two goals and an assist. Because, of course, an assist now is worth the same as a goal to strikers and midfielders, which is... I'm, I'm not entirely comfortable with it. <laughs> I have to say, I think I don't, I don't really agree with it. Um, goals, in my opinion, should be rewarded. I think it, if you, it's the easiest way to look at that. If you take um, FPL, um, which is not the same, obviously, but if you take the structure of that, that goals are worth more than assists in that. Goals are worth more than assists in real life, obviously. I suppose once they made the decision that they did not want decimals, like okay, yes, so, uh, absolutely. You know, if you, you know, I'm someone who firmly believes that there should be decimals. But if you take that out of the equation, that was that decision was already made. After that, you say, okay, well, our options are to make them both one p, or we make uh, goals two p, and then they're like, you know, three hundred percent increased. It's all one hundred fifty percent increase, and that, that, or I don't know how many. Yeah, three hundred percent would it be? Yeah, something like that. So that that would have been a, a big, big increase, uh, like way, way bigger. Um, and I think this kind of leads quite nicely onto our uh, data section because although we've, we've been talking about goals and assists, uh, goalkeepers have obviously uh, been a big beneficiaries from the kind of new dividend structure. And I went over to uh, the index gain. Uh, I went for the same report as I did last time. I'm not being lazy. You know, it's just it's just in play dividends have been increased so much that this is the talk of the town. I went to yeah, look yeah. at look at goalkeepers, um, and you know some of the some of the guys that we see here in the table that we've got in front of us um, here, Alex. They've they are you know sixty uh, ish p or below between thirty and sixty p. These are the top dividend returning goalkeepers from IPDs. This is obviously across the whole season, but some of them across the whole season have done you know a third or more of their price which is kind of remarkable and even if you you know had them in for 30 days uh you you could still have benefited roi wise quite a significant amount from some of these keepers keeping clean sheets i mean you're talking about i know allison is incredibly expensive but he's kept 20 clean sheets this season um and obviously a lot of people are looking at the more budget options and we won't go into specifics too much because we don't want to kind of influence any traded decisions but is this an interesting area for you like uh, you know I'm, I'm just looking at uh there are there are over um there are about five or six keepers that have, have, have returned 14p or more in in uh, dividends yeah here clean sheet wise i think it's with goalkeepers especially i think they are for a lack of a better word goalkeeper clean sheet dividends are quite unsexy is how I would put them. Do you know what I mean? Goal, goals are what people are interested in. And I think that was, I know that's why there was some kind of reticence, I suppose, towards goalkeeper dividends anyway, is that people want to see goals. And I know that was Adam and Mike certainly made comments about that previously. But it's impossible to ignore the fact now that there are goalkeepers that are priced 30p or less, or even less than that, 20p or less, that if they have five or six games in a 30-day period that they could quite conceivably get two or three clean sheets, they're returning potentially 10% or more in within 30 days just for that. And that cannot be ignored. I think it would be remiss of traders to just dismiss goalkeeper dividends and dismiss the value of goalkeepers based on the fact that, as I said, it's not something that is particularly exciting. It's not 
you know, people don't want to celebrate clean sheets. They want to celebrate goals. And that, that, mm. that adds a mindset of a football fan. And that actually does lend itself into a mindset of a, of a trader as well, I believe. I think it's impossible to yeah. separate the two. Um, but I do think that goalkeepers are an area which are going to see attention once the value of, of the in-play dividends generally gets more, there's more awareness of it, certainly. Yeah, I think could be in a weird way you mentioned fpl earlier a bit like a situation where you know everyone is taking those minus four or minus eight hits for the strikers and stuff um but but longer term those who have kind of planned out their defenses correctly and continuously pick up those six points their their points tend to accumulate or accumulate uh, a lot uh, to a larger extent and i think there could be something similar in fi where there are going to be loads of people who are chasing these larger wins um and potentially rightfully so there's that kind of like endorphin rush whatever but if you consistently get the goalkeeper thing right then you could be looking at uh you know a 30-day period where you make 30 percent on your investment and then you move on and it and whether or not you like it these are now the facts you know i've kind of voiced my opinions on whether or not goalkeepers should have this much value before but just looking at the pure numbers this is something that could be potentially very lucrative. absolutely no I, I completely agree and that's why for me it's it's not and it's not about picking goalkeepers full stop that's something else that to, to kind of to look at is that not all goalkeepers are going to be worth the same so there'll be teams uh like i don't know borussia dortmund for example the goalkeeper for borussia dortmund is probably going to be more expensive than the goalkeeper for a defensively minded team towards the bottom of a league. However, that goalkeeper for the, for the defensively minded team was more likely to keep clean sheets than a, than a top team whose attitude is gung-ho. So while you might get players in that attacking team, for example, Dortmund, that might score really well on PB, they might do really well on, on goals, they might get a lot of goals and assists, but actually they're conceding a goal or two every week. That makes the goalkeeper worth less in theory than the goalkeeper from a defensively minded team towards the bottom of the league who might not get as much attention from mm. traders. Mm. I totally know what you mean. It's it, Again, the higher profile players are always going to get the more demand, aren't they? But um, I, I think we're, we're just going to have to wait and see how keepers do uh, going forward. Uh, if you guys are interested in seeing stats like that, then head over to indexgame.co.uk uh, and you can use my code FIG2019 for your whole first month half price, uh, which is a, a great deal if you ask me. <laughs> very generous, generous isn't it, it? Uh, do you use any <laughs> any uh, you know uh, the third party providers i do use i've used index gain in the past i have to say i'm not a paid up member of index gain now i use um stew's data that's uh, noir x4 i think on twitter that one pound a month uh sorry now two new two pound a month subscription um for your kind of belt and braces i suppose pure numbers that's what I, I like looking at so I do like looking at um, historical PB scores uh, I am one for looking at trends over time looking at fixtures so I do tend to use external him as the and his data as, as my kind of go-to for, for FI specific data but I'm one for trawling who scored transfer marked is another one that I use for game in-game stats things like that i do like to track all that stuff and try and build a picture of a player and of a, of a trade that's more than just gut feeling 
because I do think sometimes you can get caught in the trap where you have to make a quick decision that you don't do your research. And that tends to be a trade I stay away from as a, as a general rule. And of course, rules are then meant to be broken and they do get broken. Of course. Of so... course. But uh, I, I definitely think data is an essential part of any trader's kind of uh, armor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you guys are looking for some data, then uh, indexgain.co.uk uh, use FIG2019 as the code to get you 50% off the first month of their premium service. And have a look at their Slack community. It's it's really good. Like if you're just starting out, I'd join that for free and just have a look around and, and chat to some people uh, because it's, it's really important. Twitter, great. The Football Index Forum, great. And also this place is, is another great community. Uh, the next question is from Kev Smith. So for the past couple of weeks, everyone has known it would be a three-way split. So whatever they bought before the split was going to be split by three. With the expected price boom after the split, did you stock up on players before the split? After the split, question mark? Or both as FOMO hit? He said split a lot in that question, but... There was a lot of splits and hits and and three three way and I'm I'm, I'm worried what I'm, there's a lot going on there. But <laughs> um, so yeah, like it was it. As, oh, I hate using this word again, but the self fulfilling prophecy. Um, you know, is this is this something that just happened because people enough people thought it was going to happen? With football index, it's a, it's a weird kind of bubble in itself. Is that things people think are going to happen? Traders tend to Traders tend to buy generally what they think is going to happen, right? So you tend to spot a trend and it then does become a self-fulfilling prophecy because people are saying, wow, so-and-so is going to look cheap after the after the split. And then people bought. So so what so what I did in terms of what I did, my personal strategy was uh, I added players pre-announcement uh, as a kind of hedge against what might be announced. Um, I think we all kind of, if not assumed, we all believed that dividends were going to increase um, with in-play dividends getting a boost. I think that was kind of the, the, the perceived wisdom of what was going to happen. So I did that. Uh, post-announcement, uh, I did stock up on a couple of players on existing holds generally. And then I also stocked up the night before the split when the market was really booming. There was a, you know, I think it was, so Monday night, uh, yeah, Monday night, it was, it was really positive everyone was very positive i thought that was a good time to to get on a couple of players then and then after the split when i saw what the market was doing i did top up again and that was actually i suppose i hate using the word fomo because it's uh <laughs> it's i don't it makes it seem really unplanned and it makes it seem really something which i shouldn't have done but i think it was impossible not to get caught up in the the boom of the post split and see that as an opportunity to to buy players sell players move money around um and so it so that bit certainly wasn't planned pre-split but then it i think the way the market reacted it was it would have been remiss to to miss that opportunity and i, I was surprised and i don't know whether you feel the same that the market was so active post post split at 12 o'clock on tuesday because i think it was a lot you I, i'd got it into my head that probably the money was already in there and actually, my my fear was that the money might start to come out. Effectively, seeing what we're seeing today, uh, where the market has reduced, you know, a little bit, not nothing compared to the gains we've had over the past few weeks, of course. But I thought that was probably going to be more likely to happen yesterday. Whereas actually, what we saw was, you know, a quite a big boom in the market, um, and that did catch me by surprise. 
Yeah, I think um, it was always going to happen to some extent. Like there, there were always going to be people who were, you know, they they were going to see those prices, and psychologically, they were just going to be um, persuaded and <laughs> you know, kind of tempted by those prices. Um, and you know, I, I think I've said it a lot on this podcast that when people are on the fence in any market in any in most scenarios really it just takes a nudge to take them either way so whether that's to sell a player or to buy a player i think we saw it with ronaldo the other night where he got an injury and there were people that were that were selling and and i think what happened there was you know he went up quite a bit and then kind of went down a little bit after that because a lot of people had used that opportunity to sell and then suddenly the people who still own they're kind of like ah oh, damn i kind of wish i sold at that point and then he gets an injury and suddenly those guys who are just still thinking that in the back of their heads they're like okay now i'm gonna sell because that has kind of made my decision point point. yeah 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 and it doesn't take much so in this scenario it wasn't an injury it wasn't a deposit bonus it wasn't anything like that it was essentially cheaper prices which people just bought into and um yeah i think that's just what happened and um i don't think there is any logical explanation for it and i i'm not surprised by the boom and i wouldn't have been surprised if there wasn't one because that would have said to me that loads of people have spent and deposited their money before the split but it's just one of those things really i think it's happened and you just kind of have to see how the market goes on from here absolutely yeah and i think there's definitely a a sense of perspective today on the market when you see that the prices are starting to kind of uh, there's a there's a thing in uh, the like financial terms. I know you work in the financial sector yourself, so the the rocket and feather effect, where prices rocketed up yesterday, and we're just seeing today the the prices are dropping slowly. Nothing to you know that anyone should worry about in the slightest, but it's just kind of like a sense of perspective on the market that what we've seen recently is is unprecedented levels of growth over such a long period of time. And actually today, you know, the money has been spent. You know, there's not, there's not, there's only a finite amount of money in in the yeah, market. I think it was um, time. And it Tom from go. Football Index who said that about 1.6 million was deposited yesterday or whatever. Yeah, so, which is a staggering amount. Yeah, of money, it's a it? lot of money. Like that is essentially, if we're guessing that the market cap was at about. I don't know, 33, 34 million pounds uh, pre, yeah. pre-split, then you're looking at, you know, um, uh, you know, like a it's big... Uh, three or four yeah, percent. Yeah, like I was yeah. about to say, yeah, just under a 5% increase, which is a lot, right? Like that's that's big. For sure, yeah. And uh, sure, it might have gone a lot, a lot of it might have gone into those larger players, uh, again, as mm-hmm. expected, but um, I think it's just one of those things. But I think Football Index... It's the way on, the sorry. market goes, though, isn't it? I was, going to, sorry, I was just going to say the way the market goes is that when you have these, if, if, if it's normally a deposit bonus or if it's a reason for a large, large influx of money is that the money always goes into those top players first. And again, does that come back to the self-fulfilling prophecy thing or is that actually just logical trading? I think it's a bit of both, whereas now it's such a uh, set part of the kind of pattern of, of trading. I think people just put their money there because they think that's where all the money is going to go anyway. So, it, it, I, I, for for me, I think it's it, it's it's good to see today a sense of perspective and also have the market a bit more st- stable, for lack of a better mm. better, better word. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Football Index Scotland has four questions here, so we'll kind of do greedy, this as man. like a. It really is. It really. I should definitely start limiting. But we're gonna we're gonna, as a compromise. We're gonna do these as a like quick sixty second okay. fire answers. Uh, how did you prepare for the split? You kind of answered that previously, but go I was, on. so I prepared a couple of months in advance. Uh, I bought players a couple months in advance. Again, I kind of gambled on the dividend increase uh, to a degree, um, and then. All that preparation was great, and then I went and bought more anyway. So, so it was only it was only good for a certain certain amount. How successful do you think that was? Everyone seems happy. Are you kicking yourself over anything or anyone? Uh, certainly, that was very successful. It's been a very successful implementation. The communications have been good. The actual split itself went smoothly. Um, I don't think you can not really complain about too much. You know, there's been a lot of criticism in the past of the way F5 handled things, rightly or wrongly. Um, but I think there's very few complaints with the general implementation of it. Um, am I kicking myself over anything or anyone? You're always kicking yourself if you don't, if you're not on a rise. If you're not on a rise of a, you know, I wasn't on the the Moise Keane uh, rise uh, the other day. You know, you can't be on every rise. You can't possibly get on board every rocket that takes off. Uh, so, uh, you know, do I wish I'd maybe have, bought different players possibly but then again that's down a lot of that's down to right place right time and i'm, I'm happy with what happened to my portfolio post chess but certainly nice uh, any advice for newer traders post share split based on your experience to date study the dividends table that is my that is my absolute one thing i do think in a pre-share split world the, the lack of awareness of what dividends were paid when and for what was alarming when you go through things especially things like facebook which is less kind of i suppose the traders on there are generally more new to the platform there's less it's a it's a less discussion based platform as it is of course it's very much a post you put a post on the group I, I mean i'm not a member of the facebook group so uh, but from what i've seen there's a lot of traders on there who just simply did, weren't aware of how the index worked. So that would definitely be the main thing. And also coming up with a plan for what you as a trader want to achieve out of it. Have goals in mind to try and hit over a period of time. And don't be fooled by pricing. Don't think because a player's dropping, you have to sell. And don't think mm. because a player's rising that you have to hold. Those yeah. are two crucial mistakes i think and i'm well i'm a sucker for both of those so <laughs> aren't we all sometimes <laughs> oh, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. and then he says to end of the year the biggest growth sector i assume by that he means if you group players by by like media players pb players is that is that how you read the question or yeah i i guess so uh, I guess I yeah I'd group it in like you know in play dividends PB MB like wherever yeah. whatever or you could be like oh goalkeepers or defenders yeah yeah uh, I mean I think I mean we've already touched we've we've spent a lot of time talking about in play dividends I think that is going to be a growth sector eventually uh, I will say that big summer transfers are likely to see a lot of attention in the next couple of months especially with the future announcement in the middle of April from from football index about the summer dividends that's really going to be the next uh big thing that's going to come out from from fihq how is that going to affect media buzz in the summer and actually if it's going to really 
if what we think might happen and which is an increase in media buzz dividends that's really going to sway the market towards buying especially big summer transfers not not just you know run of the mill ones i'm talking like the blockbuster 100 million pound transfer that's where a lot of the money's going to go i think Mm, mm, definitely i think uh well obviously it depends on that uh announcement but it, it seems that it's going to sway towards oh you know it could just be africa cup of nations pb who knows? <laughs> it might uh, be i don't think it is but it might be <laughs> <laughs> who knows uh the next question is from f index pl uh, an attic the guy with a clever equation or at football index yes. in uh, sb why don't people understand that the only thing that's changed is the dividends have slightly <laughs> uh, uh, increased the amount spent to move players price is the same the amount of money already invested in the player is the same people are talking about a stagnant market not much has changed and then stanford says given all the talk of price movement requiring more volume of shares and potentially three max buys of 300 required to move uh, price do you think i'm right in saying that capital appreciation will be harder to come by and therefore dividends are now trade for trade uh trade for trade of more importance and then uh, lastly because you know there was like 15 questions about this football index as says now it takes three times the amount of uh, money to move a player uh, price down or up uh, which on the facebook will make the market look more stagnant as players uh, player prices won't be as volatile because of this do you think we will see dividends really start to drive the market so uh go on why don't you lay it thick for me what are your thoughts you know give me the maths give me oh everything. god right let me um let me two let me get my abacus out i'll get a calculator i'll get some and somebody else get carol vorderman in to, to do a bit of maths on that as well um i think the math stands up if if we assume and it is an assumption that 100 shares moved a player up or down by 1p on the previous structure the perceived wisdom and the maths is that 900 shares now moves it plus or minus 1p i think we're all kind of in agreement on the maths now right i, I think yeah. after, after I, some I think confusion there, I, I don't know if there was any other confusion i think people were just disputing two different yes. things i think we were talking about you know the percentages and the uh, actual values yeah. right yeah there were people who were talking about percentages and values in comparison to previous values and there are people who are talking about the values now aka one pound equaling one yes. pound with well, that i mean that's that's the confusion there and i think that's where a lot of people were getting quite heated especially on twitter that i was saying there was a lot of you know experienced traders who were effectively arguing the same point but making you know they had it coming at it from different angles and i actually think um jay hall who i know you had on the podcast a couple of months back I think he did some, he put up a spreadsheet on Twitter, um, which was actually, it certainly helped me compute everything, compute the real value of it. So a player now by moving 1p is effectively like moving 3p in old money. Now that's where the, and of course, because the prices have been split by a third as well, you've got two factors of three in play there. And when you multiply those, that's how you get 900 shares compared to 100 previously that's where the confusion was i think um and that's it has been explained i think in terms of taking the, the first question um stagnant market i mean how how on earth anyone can talk about a stagnant market after one day 
where actually the market has been anything but stagnant uh it, it is is uh, you know confusing to me i mean two three months down the line are we going to be talking about a stagnant market in real terms no we're not because the volume of trading is not going to increase or decrease people need to get used to the fact that what it changes by 1p now is effectively a change of 3p previously that's something that a lot of traders are going to get have to get their head around so you're not suddenly going to see a player shoot up 60p you might see them shoot up the equivalent of 20p now i think the 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 issue is going to be for a lot of traders is that if you're buying if you're used to buying in blocks of 100 which is obviously the buy max previously that's now gone up to 300 um and that's what stanford alluded to that to, to move a share to sorry to move a, a player by 1p you have to buy three lots of max buys i think the the mindset traders have got to get into is that if you were buying in blocks of 100 before to do what to do the same now you effectively got to buy a blocks of 300 now our trade is going to be put off you know do i want to own 300 shares of one player because of a risk of not being able to sell them because of a risk of you know taking to, being having too many shares in one player um but in reality that's the, my, that for me is a psychological thing is that barrier that actually what is what was 100 shares is now 300 shares so if you were buying in lots of 100 you just need to move your mindset and to say, okay, now I'm going to buy a lot of so 300. Um, and that is equivalent to, and if you then, so if you were previously buying 300 shares to move a player 3p, if you buy 900 shares, you're moving a player 1p, you've done exactly the same thing. And that's something I think a lot of people are going to have to get their head around. And it might take a some time for traders to do that. But you've, you've done the exact same thing with regards to the future in circulation, right? Yeah. So what what I think the the two arguments were though there were people who were talking about you've done the same thing when you kind of factoring the ratio uh, of the split obviously and the kind of larger total of futures in circulation but there are people who are talking about the very fact that you know to get from 1 pound to 2 pounds there is more capital required to move from the pound now that we have which is you know i think i saw sg very crudely put it <laughs> one pound is still a pound yeah. uh go to two pounds right that is the actual fact for that to get from the, that to get from that price to that price it's not the same right if like you know disregard the, the the share split disregard the past like it is now harder to get from x price to y price from a capital uh from a capital standpoint um and and where the danger becomes and i think um sg talked about this quite well was where you have people who look at neymar and now expect him to go from eight pounds to 25 pounds again it's near impossible unless the market like literally multiplied by 30 um at least right so i think therein lies a slight danger because a lot of people were excited a lot of new traders a lot of fresh traders a lot of people who maybe haven't been on football index for a while were thinking you know price will split by three and he'll be there soon enough again we're actually to get to that price again it's not only going to be hard it's going to be even more hard um and i think you know there is that psychological element and i do think there could have been this is where i think decimals could have been quite powerful right because if you actually see decimal places 
of your of your penny rising then there might actually be a psychological effect where i think sod to sotd or lee talks about this quite a lot uh, green green breeds green so if i buy a player and it takes 900 futures to raise in 1p there's a chance that some people will not wait around and kind of sell that player if he doesn't go up after a couple of days because maybe they've just joined and previously they saw that they've seen green uh, more frequently or they they're just bored and thought it would be more volatile and they've just joined so i think there's a few things obviously these are i'm kind of like highlighting the negatives and you can say your piece and then we'll kind of talk about what the positives for this are hmm. i think the, the the positives for me now is that as Stanford alluded to, and as as Windex AS alluded to, that dividends now have to start driving the market more because you're not going to have cap app happening so quickly and happening so frequently necessarily. That it you know still is going to happen, and and cap app is good for everyone because the more you know you you're here to make money. However, dividends now whilst a player might not move, they may only move. For example, if a player moves. 2p in 30 days on the face of it that might not be particularly exciting if you've got 300 shares you've made six pound profit there before commission however if that player has returned i've got to try and work out the new dividends now i'm still working off the old one (laughs) but if you if a player's returned i don't know 10p in dividends in that time including in-play dividends and you've got 900 shares you've got a lot of profit in there as well which has not been you know you've got to factor that in as well so dividends for me and i've always been pro dividends since day one i've been pro the importance of dividends um underlying uh underwriting sorry the value of the of of shares and now it's going to be even more important um and that is the way it should be in my opinion so actually i think less volatility in in price rises and cap app might actually be a a a benefit to the platform's longevity because it will drive people to dividends and the longevity of the platform should you know remain in my opinion yeah i did say in the previous show that i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't be surprised if we see um you know the market thicken and i think it needed to and i i think i have had some ad hoc comments from a lot of people particularly those with kind of fs backgrounds or or trading backgrounds that they weren't really comfortable that the prices could fly up and down where the demands necessarily or the volume of shares traded by um or the frequency of shade uh, whatever you want to call it the amount of users that it takes to actually raise all full prices isn't actually that great and obviously in any market if someone has a large percentage of the actual shares in circulation they can affect the price greatly because they can you know in a traditional market with an order book they can take down loads and loads of sell walls because they have loads of capital um i i, I do think there's a couple of things though that you know there's that decimal thing that would have been quite powerful here where you could see you know in in the background the players rises but also this is where order books come in and and where they could be really great like even i i've thought about this more and more and a lot of people are scared by order books but if you have say imagine football index and then football index pro right they're the same product um the the prices are the same you both have portfolios this is just like an add-on feature aka uh, football index pro it's kind of like you know uh imagine if betfair exchange allowed you to um uh just do fixed odds bets but they just showed you the uh the back price that people were offering 
right? And they took that money and put it onto Betfair Exchange and then, you know, they could lay it themselves or take money from someone who's who's laid it, if that makes sense. So in this scenario, what you, what you could potentially have is an order book where people are buying, like, I want to buy Neymar for £10 and you want to sell him for 10.05. That means that, um, the, that, and that's the lowest price that you can buy him at. If I'm just on the original football index version, all I see is I can buy for £10.05 and I can sell for £10. Or I can, I can, yeah, I can buy for £10.05 uh, because that's what you're selling for. Um, and I can sell for the price that I want to buy at, which is £10. So, uh, you know, and, and your everyday user wouldn't even need to see the order book. So you'd have a situation where Football Index remove themselves from the market. They have a order book in the background and they have the original product still in the foreground, but it's backed by an order book and the the prices aren't um, dictated by kind of this uh, this algorithm or whatever it is in the background that this price demand or demand uh, supply curve that, you know, is very opaque and, and kind of a black box to us at the moment. And then we don't have kind of disputes or, or conversations about stuff like this. And it is simply a real market where demand uh, demand uh, or prices are de- uh, driven by supply and no, demand. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I think there is definitely a, a, a lot of traders who would prefer a very structured, like you say, Football Index Pro, which is acts and feels like a real market, something like the, you know, the Betfair Exchange. As if I, I could, it would probably fall into the category of a trader who wouldn't really feel the benefit of that because I do not have a trading background. I'm not, uh, I haven't traded in anything else. So for me, order books, because I don't understand them at the moment and because I haven't quite wrapped my head around the concept, I do think that would be something which would make it a little bit scary um, going into football index if I was a new trader. Now, that doesn't mean to say that myself, somebody who's fully invested in football index and who is fully invested in the, the platform, wouldn't get to learn that and wouldn't wouldn't want to make the best of of that um but i do think if we're talking about who football index are hoping to attract to the platform in terms of new users are they the sorts of people who are going to feel the benefit of an order book and are they the sorts of people who are gonna or or or, sorry are they the sort of people who are going to be put off by something that is seen as scary something that's hard to understand and is it another barrier for them when they're used to easy bets i want to bet on liverpool to win as opposed to i want to bet on a uh, a player's price and I, is this another barrier to them to say actually this is too complicated to me i just want to stick to my bet365 or my william hill or whoever with my with my money so i do think that's something for windex are going to have to think about because it needs to come in i think uh, at the top level for for traders who want to act like that but as you say there will be a large portion of traders who who won't want that added level of uh, complexity to the platform. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, th- we also have to factor in the fact that Football Index might be making quite a lot of money from instant sale right now. Um, sure, absolutely, yeah. So, so maybe the kind of true market or whatever we, we're just discussing might not even be at the top of their thoughts right now because they are making so much money as a market maker. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to interrupt, but no, inst- instant sell for me is something that is uh, is such an important part of the platform and is such an important part of the way Football Index are increasing, increasing liquidity in the market. 
um, because without instant sell, if you've got a player, like for example, I've got a player in market sell who has been there for six weeks. Um, now that's pure stubbornness and, and also because of the spread as to why I don't want to instant sell him. Um, and he hasn't dropped below what I could have instant sold him for six weeks ago, fortunately. But without instant sell and without the ability to, to cash your bet in early and football index buy that bet back off you effectively, there would be much less fluidity in the market. And I do think that would have a negative impact. I, I wasn't on the platform pre-instant sell, so I can't speak for what it was like. But judging from what other people were saying, it was a much slower moving market. Um, and unless you had something really effective to replace it, I do think it would be remiss of Football Index to, to, to remove that. I don't think it would be an overnight thing, though, Alex, right? No. I think um, this would be something that would take like 12 months. I, I, I can't I cannot fathom the thought of football index being like here we go taps off uh <laughs> I, like <laughs> yeah. I just don't think it would happen like no oh, you'd you, hope you not. Did, yeah I mean you hope not obviously they can do what they want but um yeah I think football index 12 months ago I would be less less convinced that that would be a possibility but now the way the market is and the way that the product has developed so quickly and so rapidly it would it I don't think there's little danger as you say of that happening I think in the infancy of the platform, maybe a big swing to something was more likely to happen. I think it's a more, I don't want to say professional outfit now, but I think I think you know what I mean. It's kind of, it's much more considered. They've got a lot more to consider in, in any decision they make in the platform. Mm, mm, definitely. Uh, I mean, with more money comes more responsibility. Um, Radio, we'll move on to the next question. FI Cole, what should Football Index's top five priorities be in the development of the platform now that the split is done um i think for me the big the big big thing they need to look at for the next few months is how they capitalize on no football in the summer there is such for me there's such an opportunity for football index to make a play for that gambling crowd where there is no world cup euros there is no, apart from the Nations League in June, which is only on for a week or so, there is going to be very little to keep the attention of your everyday gambler. Um, I think it's, you know, I don't want to, go, I don't want to start talking about, you know, people who need to bet. This is, this is very much people who like betting on, you know, the Premier League or like betting on instant, you know, regular football. Um, how they attract those those players are going to be really, really important. And that's why I think a massive marketing push in the next couple of months is going to be a, a, an investment they simply have to make, similar to what we saw in January with the the Tri-Jan promotion. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really crucial time for them to develop the product. And we should, in theory, get a lot of new users who are looking for their, their football fix um, and I think they need to make sure they take that opportunity. That's that's the definitely the, the big one for me. Yeah, I I, I, th- I think that's actually something I didn't have written down. Uh, I think that obviously there's the the tech side of stuff, the app, the uh, website that needs to be leveled up. Um, I I still I still think in the back of my mind for this to be like a global thing. Um, there's obviously uh, you know, you know um, order books that we've just discussed which i think is the big one but i also think there's um 
media buzz and how we can iterate that, right? I, I kind of talked about in the last podcast with Nick where, you know, I, I viewed in-play dividends as slightly lazy because the the things before it have not been iterated to their fullest extent. So media buzz, could we could we have a, uh, a scenario where, you know, uh, articles are taken from Spain, Germany, Italy, France, as well as the UK? Uh, it's not unfathomable. Like, this could happen. Um could could we have a more well-rounded PB matrix that um, that has that is slightly more robust with uh, dribbles, etc. And we've kind of talked about this a lot. Uh, and and then also, uh, what is the thing that makes football index tick? For me, that's PB. Do we iterate that and and make that the biggest dividends by uh, distance? Um, Because at the end of the day, I think longer term, I think Football Index want to not water down MB, but certainly make it a smaller part of their offering. And obviously, there's no no doubt that media buzz has has always kind of, that's the, the very much the base of the platform, what it was built on. But I do think there is a shift towards focus on real football in inverted commas, what happens on the pitch and I think that has to that has to drive the platform going forward, and that has to be performance buzz based. Yeah, and I that's why I think that also one thing that maybe the share split has done, um, if there is that kind of room for growth in terms of actual real uh, pound values right now, in terms of you know Neymar won't get from eight pounds to twenty five pounds with the current dividend structure, like there's no chance, and he might not get uh, he might not get to it with dividends even 3x currently but certainly if pb is increased um and i'm not saying they're going to double it in 12 months or something but something of that ilk maybe in 18 months or whatever then you could have a scenario where you know pb has been increased drastically mb is still there as kind of a a, a part of the proposition that helps the, the football index tick every single day and when there is no football no tournaments and you've got ipds that um you know again might need to be reviewed in july and whether or not they're successful after this this um these next three months and then uh if they are successful how do we iterate and make that better because um you know there could i can't see a scenario where football index look at it in july and went that is perfect. That went brilliantly and, you know, we shouldn't change absolutely anything. And whilst I might see the um, kind of uh, why you might not want to change anything, you know, there is always room to improve things. And I think Football Index as a staff, as, in a, as a company, have always been open to saying that they are uh, looking to innovate and iterate uh, if it makes the product better. So those are my hopes that longer term, you've got the MB side, which kind of is iterated uh, in terms of the matrix, the PB side, which is kind of iterated in terms of the matrix, PB dividends given kind of more love as this is the crux of the product, order books, and then kind of the actual data and UX side of things where this product needs a proper yes. app and yeah, a proper, yeah. you know... Uh, uh, tech backend that can deal with you know hundreds of thousands of uh, of transactions. Yes, and I think I know, I, you know the five things that I've got written down pretty much match what you just said there. The other thing that I had had written down apart from the app improvements, which I, it's very very important, and I know Nick touched on this on the previous podcast. The the silly little things like when you open the app up and the your music, your music cuts off it's really <laughs> annoying and it really i think that's been fixed though has, I, there, has there been a recent i um... had it today where it hadn't so maybe i haven't got the latest version on my on my iphone but as, either way that was wh- when it was there was very annoying 
Um, and that is something mm. that really, in the bigger scheme of things, doesn't actually matter. But it's not it's the the user experience is the, so important to FI. And if it's if somebody's there desperately trying to get on the app because they they want to go to buy a player and they've seen it and seconds make the difference, do people want to see an animation where which looks great by the way? I think it looks great. Do, do, do people want to see that, or do they actually just want to get to their dashboard? Do they want to get to their portfolio? And I think that's something that yeah. that has kind of potentially been overlooked in in spite of looking like a slick professional produce outfit and there's nothing wrong with looking like that and i think it's to fi's benefit that they've moved towards you know very a very professional media output but there's certain things like that which have not been done with the the user in mind yeah yeah i think that's a really good way to phrase it what does the user want to get done when they open that app and that is get on football index not see a um an animation but uh sean fi has a question what more does FI need to do to take the platform from a disruptor to the mainstream? And, you know, we've we've kind of named a few things there, but I, I do definitely think that there's moments like the summer uh, incoming that they could really take advantage of. And also I think there's... Um, I think what Football Index is lucky in having is a, a community or a user base that actually sell your product for you. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something which is... We are very much, a, it feels like a, a community product. And whilst it's not, it's very much Football Index's, you know, and the director's product. We feel as traders and as a, as a Twitter community, as a forum community, whatever that may be, as a Slack community, that actually we have ownership to a degree of the product. And it's very much up to us to, to sell the product to our peers, to our work colleagues, to our friends, family, whoever it is. And that's how it's going to become from a kind of a niche product which it was i would say when i joined in january 2017 it was very, sorry 2018 it was very much a niche product um not completely understood by the by the masses and i don't think it's understood by the masses now but i do think there's an awareness of it things like the the led perimeter um, advertising in premier league games the in the adverts on sky sports the sponsorship of uh, football league clubs i do think that that's going to have a big impact eventually over time it's not going to happen overnight but we saw in january with with mike's regular slot on talksport whilst i don't think at the beginning certainly that the slot was as effective as i would have wanted it to be and that's not mike's fault that's a lack of understanding of the product and what needs to be talked about by the guy by the guys at talksport um it, it that sort of thing has a real massive impact when you've got that kind of mainstream attention a captive audience who are really interested in football uh, and really interested in gambling which let's not forget what the platform is essentially is a gambling platform um i do think that's how it's going to come to the mainstream and you're right to to go back to the the what happens in the summer because that is a captive audience with nowhere to go or certainly less places to go for what is a three-month period it's a huge opportunity um, and it's the effect i think when you have that with alongside the share split which then now makes it more attractive supposedly to to smaller investors it, it's everything's kind of brewing up nicely for a you know a real boost in the next couple of months for me uh, it's it's an interesting one isn't it like mainstream how how hard is it to actually eat away at like such a big 
big uh, pie, which is the gambling market, right? It's 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 massively difficult. I think we really grossly in- underestimate that. But look, we're at 300,000 signups now or so on. Like, that's a lot. I predicted maybe four, 500,000 at the end of this year. I think we'll probably go to like seven, 800,000. Um, so what is mainstream you know betfair exchange has four million signups but only 1.1 million active users so you know if you've got one million signups then what does it actually mean like i don't know it's like what what is mainstream for people does it mean that um people don't walk like you know bookie shops aren't there anymore because football index has destroyed them i I don't know like what does it mean to be mainstream is another question i guess i think yeah i think the the when you talk about how many betting platforms there are, football betting platforms especially, there's what online alone there's probably fifty or sixty in the UK that you could, you know, that a, a, if you had an account with most of them, you'd say fifty or sixty. And there's no way that Football Index is ever, in my opinion, going to be big enough to really take a big chunk of, say, a Bet Three Six Five's pie. However. I do think there are enough active gamblers. And as you say, 1.1 million people on the Betfair exchange, however many millions of people regularly using Bet365, there's a big, big portion of that market that will get disillusioned eventually with throwing money away on Akers. It, it can't, go, apart from if you've got a genuine addiction to gambling, like a, a problem addiction to gambling, there comes a point where you you stop throwing ten pound acres away every weekend and go, well, actually, what can I do better with my money? And I think as a, as an audience ages, and this is a, a kind of a broad brushstroke here, and as an audience ages, I think they're more likely to be less frivolous with cash. So you've got an audience there that will want to invest money or see money as an as an investment. Obviously, it's very dangerous to start talking about FI as an, as an investment. It's very much a, is a, is a, it's a gambling platform. But I do think that there will be more and more users who will see FI as, as a sensible way to, 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 to spend their money as opposed to throwing money away every week on a, on a long shot acre, which 99% of the time won't come in at any point. Yeah, and that's, and that's a really good... Um lead on to the next question by jack barnes was if fis truly disrupt the gambling market it'll need to attract those that put a 10 pound acheron at the weekend how do you think it will do this given the currently relatively low attraction of similar stakes on fi yeah i think the marketing is is really important with this i think if you're marketing fi if you if you say say 50 pound if you'd spent 50 pound on paul pogba shares 12 months ago what would they and then in the market you say this is how much he would have earned in dividends this is what his price is now if you start seeing real hard numbers hard facts that is a something where people could you can't ignore that if for example i mean obviously i don't know the exact figures off the top of my head but if you put 50 pound on paul pogba 12 months ago you'd have turned your money over you know a lot in that time yeah yeah you know that that is that's a really if you're telling people they can make this sort of profit on players you know it's obviously not on all players but it's that to me is to do with how they market the product and how they market the the potential returns on on football index i think i'd actually even be more aggressive than that right so a lot of people always say oh but you know people put on like a tenor tenor acre well yes but cumulatively people don't just bet 10 pounds right 
you know, a, a month or whatever. You know, if you're putting on 10 quid acres, then you're probably betting, you know, in the hundreds, maybe thousands a month. If you, as Football Index, can market kind of the lack of ROI in terms of kind of cumulatively placing those £10 acres and use that in an advertisement, then that can be quite powerful. If you say to someone, you know, the average punter spends X amount a month, the average punter makes this much, and the, the answer is probably minus money, um, then, and, and this is the alternative, where, you know, the, the, the returns are slower, but they are better, right? Even if you make... 10% uh, yearly on Football Index or 15%, whatever it may be, you are still better off than 98% of gamblers or, or people who are betting uh, on traditional books. Absolutely. And I think the, the the Football Index advertising campaign at the start of this season with, with, with Motti, uh, for me, failed to capture that exact message, what you've just said there, that actually money is there to be made on football index and whilst you you know it, it was it, i think the, the phrase they used was at the end of 90 minutes your bet your bet is still running or, or something like that you know your bet doesn't end with the final whistle that's very much the kind of audience that is going to attract as you say somebody's putting a 10 pound acker on each week or each or you know or twice a week three times a week that's the sort of trader that is going to be putting in potentially 200, 300 pound a month into their foot index portfolio, which is the sort of trader that I am, you know, on average, I, you know, I started off with 500 pound 15, 14 months ago. I'm now at five grand. My total investment is, is around the three grand mark. So you can see that in that time, I've been adding a couple of hundred pound a month on average to my, to my portfolio. There must be hundreds and hundreds of, of potential traders out there who in terms of affordability, what they spend on, on the bookies and they're losing at the bookies. If, so for example, if you spend a thousand pound a year at the bookies and you end up at the end of it with 500, you've lost 50% of your money. Whereas on football index, in the way it is at the moment, and if you are a smart trader and you understand football, you're more likely to be in profit like that. Yeah. And I think there's also the fact that, and I, I mean this with the best intentions, that if someone can't put in that money like if they if they literally stick in five quid or 10 quid into football index and they don't put any more in then from a business standpoint those customers are less valuable right like they are valuable in the way that they build your brand and they might tell a friend who has like 10 grand or whatever but but by the law of averages they are less valuable and by you know just simple economics and, and kind of capital for football index they are less valuable so from that perspective, I don't think it's their priority to do that. And I don't think that to become mainstream and disrupt a gambling market, it needs to encourage or like solely attack, attract or um, go out of their way to attract people who have those smaller budgets. I think there's a general educational standpoint. And I've talked about that kind of aggressive marketing stand, uh, side of things where you could go out and look at the statistics and, and say... You know, these are the these are the returns that people are getting from traditional bookmakers, and these are the returns that our average punter gets on football index, and kind of compare and contrast those. But I think there's there's always that thing in people's minds where they all everyone wants to get rich quick, right? No one wants to get rich slow. And I think there's that educational standpoint where you say to someone, "Well, look, like if you've got a five pound acker on uh, a five thousand to one, um, 
you know, that essentially means that for 5,000 times you put that on, there's one chance that that's going to happen. So, you know, you do the maths. Uh, whereas, like, you know, if you put you know, five quid in a, in a, I don't know, like cash ISA and it's 2%, that's not going to do much. Um, but But it's kind of like getting people to think in um that kind of probabilistic way uh combined with some very clever marketing where um whereby you might see football index become the new thing and i think in general we're seeing more like digital financial products that are aiming their proposition at getting rich slow i've I've had chats with loads and loads of people recently where they're kind of like this is our proposition and this is what we're doing i'm like you know what like I don't know if that works, but it's a different way of thinking. And I think if enough people are thinking that way from the kind of product and design standpoint, then you're going to have enough customers who want that product and eventually enough customers that think in that way. And this is from a broader finance standpoint. And now level it into gambling, right? You're already seeing, uh, you know, Betfair Exchange, Request a Bet, uh, Bet Builder, all these things that people are doing to try and like heighten their propositions so that uh, people are getting better value for their bets. And that's at the end of the day what football index should push that they are better value than everyone else no I, I i completely agree and i think the the way the football index markets the product in the next few months is gonna be very interesting to see if they take that route or to see if as you say are they going to go for those five pound ten pound you, you know low capital low lower value customers or are they going to make a big play for the you know, the trader side of things with order books, with all the kind of stuff that you would expect for a professional trading platform. There's going to be a real crossroads moment for Football Index where they decide what they prioritize. And of course, those two things are not mutually exclusive. However, there's only a certain amount of marketing budget and a certain amount of brands, uh, streamlining of the brand that, that, that can attract both sides of that. Hmm. Mm, definitely uh we'll move on um the next question is from dave w does fi focus have any ideas about how football index could improve how ipos are introduced this is one that we haven't talked about for a while yeah it's uh, it's ipos to me they kind of they if, if they don't strike fear into me they kind of certainly make me go oh okay yeah. for me ipo the ipo system is is frustrating and I'm not someone who really chases IPOs because I've been burnt in the past and I've been, I found it very frustrating to see a player that I've been wanting for, for six months. It's okay. Okay. They're going to be on at 60 P or they're going to be on at 80 P. This is obviously an old money now uh, or a pound. Um, and then within 30 seconds of, of when they've gone live, they're up ridiculously high. And at that point you think you could get on and risk being burnt or you kind of say, well, that was, you know, I've wasted that time. And I think actually the most frustrating thing for me is not knowing when a player is going to be live. Uh, I know on the previous iteration of, of FI that there was um, the set time for when IPOs were going to be launched. They were going to be launched on a Friday afternoon at one o'clock or something, wasn't it? Or quarter past one so now obviously they say we're going to be releasing them between 12 and 2 or 2 and 4 as traders and as every as if i think of myself in this example i'm a working man i'm you know i I work nine to five longer than nine to five i can't be sat there refreshing my football index portfolio and refreshing the screen to see if so and so has gone live on the market I don't, if, if I know that a player is going live at one o'clock, I will be on at one o'clock and I will be able to search. 
Now, obviously, that creates its own problems. That's why they've probably changed the system. But for me, I don't see it's a viable way of continuing the IPOs because I don't think it's fair on all trade on on most traders. And also, there's this kind of unspoken understanding that there might be bots in play. Obviously, that's never been confirmed by Foot, Football Index. There seems to be a kind of, if not apathy towards it, there seems to be a kind of understanding that it's there and it's present. Um, but you know, what what can they do about it? I suppose is is maybe their attitude. So for me, I think if bots are present and it's proven, if I have to be stronger at tackling them, if it's not, if it's not bots, and obviously there's a there's no confirmation or or, or definite understanding that it that it is, then I do think there are ways that IPOs can be improved so it's fairer for all traders, um, and it gives people a chance to get on as close to IPO price as possible. Yeah, I think that the um, the kind of idea that we could have a scenario where there's the blind bidding thing kind of, I don't think it necessarily excites me, but I think it's fairer. And I think it will mean that players coming into the platform are actually priced to the demand that someone is willing to pay, which will kind of be the way I think that will go about it. Uh, we're, we're pressed for time, so we'll move on. Uh, Jamie Harwood. Uh, and I think I've pronounced it correctly because yeah. I do this in every show. What are, you guys, <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on the big announcement it's going to be on the April the 15th? Uh, me personally, I think Copper America divs or maybe top five media payouts. Sorry if this has already been covered in previous pods. I'm lacking behind due to change of commute to work. Can you believe Jamie, that? Jamie, what's happened? What are you doing, Jamie? <laughs> has your commute gone shorter? <laughs> he's got, I think he's the only person in the world whose commute seems to be getting shorter <laughs> yeah well every every smart person listening to this knows that by making your commute longer you actually get to probably finish the, the podcast in one which Absolutely, is a yeah. massive bonus uh what are your thoughts uh i'd be very surprised if it's copper america dividends uh in the same way i'd be very surprised if it's african cup of nations dividends uh I think it's more likely that we're going to see Nations League uh, PB, if I'm honest, um, because of the England connection. Uh, fingers crossed, obviously, that England can win the semi-final, get to the final, possibly win it. We have a good chance. Um, I do think it's more likely to get people's attention. Are people going to be that interested in Copper America? Yes, there will be a certain faction of FI. You know, the hardcore certainly will be will be watching every game, I'm sure. Um but generally, I'd be surprised. You know, I could, you know, it could be wrong. Certainly, I don't think top five media payouts is going to happen. I think it's too. Um, the, the, it'd be make it too easy. I think for player people just to hoover up dividends for that period of time. I think it's more likely to be double dividends or increased dividends for media for for those periods. I think um, Adam might even have let that slip in a FITV. Um, video something similar to, to that anyway so for me i think i don't think what what jamie said there i'd be i'd be surprised certainly top five would be a bit big uh i think i've speculated as to what it could be on the the live stream i did on youtube which you guys can check out um you know uh they could do some sort of transfer buzz. You know, they could do PB for some of the tournaments, but obviously that's a lot more labor intensive. That's a lot harder to do. Um, you know, getting Opta feeds in for an under 21 tournament, you'd probably have to pay for. Same with uh, Copper America. Would Copper America really suit the audience that they currently have con- uh, considering it's like 
just UK based at the moment or, uh, you know, apart from New Zealand, this kind of time zone. Uh, it's, you know, lots of things to consider. Top five media payouts, potentially. I don't know, maybe. But then, you know, with the current kind of like actual value of the dividends, um, what would be four and five? Absolutely. I mean, they'd have to, for me, they'd have to increase. They're doing four if they're doing that, or they'd have to go to, to decimal, which they clearly don't want to do. So for me, I think it'd be a big, big surprise. And it would go against what I would consider the the general push of what FI trying to achieve. Uh, next question from Daniel Walton. What positions do you guys think will be the most in demand during the summer transfer window? Same as always, strikers. Mm. Strikers are always goals win games. It's never going to change. It's, it's going to be ever thus. I do also think on top of that, wingers are going to be uh, the, a, a big merry-go-round of wingers. You're talking... Hazard, then Bele, uh, obviously Pulisic going to Chelsea, Hudson Adoy, Sancho. These wingers very much in fashion at the moment. Tricky, pacey, skillful wingers are going to be at the top of a lot of people's lists, I think. And I do think actually, whilst I obviously started by saying strikers, there is an absence of outstanding traditional strikers i think in the game young strikers i think there's only a handful now where you could really say they look especially young players people like timo Werner. um i do think that those players are let harder to come by um and the, the other position i would say would be center backs i think it's we've seen this season with liverpool um the 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 way that virgil van dyke has transformed that liverpool defense which people were saying was shaky you know that was their Achilles heel. Now Liverpool's defence is, is, you know, the best in the league. And that's pretty much down to Virgil van Dijk. And that there are players like that out there, I believe, you know, um, Delight, uh, um, Ajax, Delight, Delight, sorry. That's, uh, um, and there's plenty of players in Serie A, such as uh, Milenkovic, there's a few other guys that are out there that, Koulibaly, for example, who who really could make a big difference to teams. And I do think those guys will start to command the sort of fees that previously we only saw for, for attacking players. Hmm. I've been on record kind of saying, and I think maybe more on the um, blog, uh, that I think it's going to be the summer for centre-backs. Um, I just think that they are... They, I think centre-backs, especially with what Virgil van Dijk's done, and obviously we're just talking football here, I think that's kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes, especially, you know, Alisson as well as a keeper, but I don't think we'll see that many keepers move. But you're looking at Barcelona, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United, Spurs... Uh, all looking for a centre-back. Obviously, Real Madrid have just purchased Militao, who's kind of right-back centre-back, so they've probably done their business on that side. Um, you've got players like Koulibaly, who are kind of uh, touted as the next guy to go for a massive fee, like Virgil van Dijk, obviously Delict that you mentioned. I think I just think there's too many teams that need centre-backs, and there's too many good centre-backs at the moment. I really do think there's um, not only those top guys like we just mentioned, the Van Dykes, the Koulibaly's, the, the De Ligt's, but there's also um, the rung below who are a bit younger and maybe De Ligt falls into that category, that there are so many of those centre-backs that are doing well and, and actually getting real good minutes for their current clubs that I think I think it could be the summer for centre-backs. But, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, I've made incorrect pred- uh, predictions before, you, so we'll you're, see. You're on record now. You, you've, made, you've made your play. I'm on record. You've made your play. I'm on record. 
I'm on recording audio and I'm on recording writing. <laughs> you so can't get away the next from that. thing is video, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Metropolis, who kind of asked about the next trend, and this is for the the from the Football Index forum. Um, are you are you still gung ho with the transfers? Then I believe. Um, I'm pretty, you know, pretty much gung gung ho is probably not the right word, but I I invested quite heavily in in transfers at the beginning of February. Um, and I did see at that point, there was a real move towards transfers. People are trying to get ahead of the trend. Um, you know, you, I think it's really important to be one step ahead of, of a trend. If you get caught up towards the end of a trend, you could suddenly find yourself on the wrong end of, of price decreases. Um, I think summer transfers were always going to be a driver for price increases. Um, and I've mainly focused on ones where I believe they all generate media buzz. So there's a difference here between young players who are potentially going to move, you know, either now or in next year or two years time with no intrinsic value in the next 18 months, for example. And then there's players such as, um, I'm trying to think one off the top of my head, Zayach or something, Ajax, where currently not in a PB league, likely to be linked with big clubs, Premier League clubs interested, so should generate some media interest. That's the sort of player I was focusing on. And three months ago, he was, you know, below £3 in old money and below £1 in new money. He's now gone up by, you know, 40% or something. That, to me, struck me as a, as a real area where the market hadn't moved as yet. Um, and that was a trend, which is obviously we've seen in the past maybe month or so. And now it's kind of stagnated to a degree. And I do think that's obviously going to increase towards the end of the season where people can be more interested in, in the potential and especially when, when we know what's happening with the, the April announcement. Um, I yeah. think the next trend is harder to, to predict and to, to be quite honest. I, I'm, I think it's going to be certainly easier to predict, Alex, when that announcement gets made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think now we're, we're kind of speculating as to what it's going to be. We're assuming it's going to be, you know, increased dividends one way or another. That's an assumption. Um, I do think now it's it's we're in a kind of state of flux where the share split has been all consuming. It's now kind of like a decompression for everyone. It's like, what's what's going to happen next? I think people are waiting to see what happens next, aren't they? Um, and there's a thirst for more where we've been blessed really on the index in the last six months, especially with so much new information and, and exciting changes that actually a period of stability might be exactly what we need to try and reset a lot of expectations about prices and reset a lot of expectations about what the platform can deliver over the long term because there'll be traders who've only experienced massive growth um, and then trend in the next whilst this might not be what people want to hear the trend in the next few months might actually be you know your regular dividend returners your regular pb yeah returns. there's been a lot of lot of chat about that yeah. haven't there especially some of the questions we got but the last question we've got is from the football index forum again uh that's from scout s or scouse ste maybe there's scouse d but the scouse d i reckon uh, yeah i'd go that yes yeah, go on we'll go for that do you feel that this very moment is the proper beginning of fi what i mean is it's now very much in the public eye and with record numbers of new signups i feel that everyone who has invested up until today has got a solid foundation for the future new signups from now on are unlikely to ever see such a boom am i right uh 
I would say no to that because I, as we've touched on a lot in the in over the course of the podcast, the potential for this summer is for me is huge. And are we ever going to see such a concentrated boom in prices? Probably not because of the the way that the, the mechanics of the share split have worked, that we won't see such volatility in the pricing. Um, what I will say is that I do think he's right to pull up the existing users are obviously in a good position. Um, I don't think this is, it would be fair to say that what has happened in the previous 12, 18 months is, ref, isn't reflective of what's going to happen in the future. I think the, the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen the market develop and change. Of course we have, but at the same time, is it going to feel wildly different in the next 12 months? I'm not sure it is. I think it's going to, you know, things are obviously going to change, but I don't think that to say now is the proper beginning of football index. I'm not, I'm not sure I really buy into that. I think I put out a tweet the other day or the day before the split where it was just like, uh, I feel like between now and October to November is the biggest opportunity just because of the things that are coming in. And obviously like today, the biggest opportunity. And, I, I still do believe that there are there are going to be opportunities to profit massively. I just think they're going to be yes. more concentrated. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there are going to be there are still going to be big, big winners. But I think there are going to be fewer big winners, if that makes sense. So there are still going to be people who, you know, make 100 percent in a year. But there are going to be more and more people who slip down towards, you know, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s and the 10s. Um, so it's just going to be one of those things where we uh, just have to wait and see how it goes. I think I think, um, you know, if you go from 300,000 signups to a, a million, that's going to be a big boom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't underestimate the fact that Football Index is still nowhere near reaching, uh, you know, its maximum capacity of users. And I think I'd, maybe in the next couple of months, we might see a very concentrated period of, of signups where we might see a, a, a boom, I suppose. Um, I, I I think it's impossible to, to, dis, to discredit the fact that over the last 12 to 18 months, there's been you know, the death knell has been put out for Football Index on Twitter, certainly a few times that, oh, this is, you know, the market's, you know, stagnant, with nothing's happening, you know, I've, I'm down 5% in the last three or four months. And, you know, it would be wrong to say that in, in certainly in my time on the index, that everything has been rosy, because it hasn't. There was periods in, you know, September, October, November last year, where certainly I and a lot of other traders were down. Um, so... I think in terms of going back to, to the question, I think certainly there's a solid foundation in place, but I, w I would suspect that going forward, there will certainly be periods of time and where the market, where the market changes, where the product changes it's, itself that will allow big booms and big rises to, to happen. Certainly. Mm, mm, I agree. There, there's definitely going to be iteration in this product, and that will obviously allow for um, you know uh, particularly big profits at times. But uh, listen, Alex, I think it's quite late now, and I should let you go. Um, <laughs> wh wh <laughs> where, where should people? Where can people find out more about you? So you can uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at fi focus. So I'm quite active on on Twitter. You um, like you know post quite a lot of stuff like to engage in traders i'm one for 
sitting on the fence is probably the the crudest way to put it. <laughs> I, I like to I like to get people's opinions from across the boards. You know, I'm interested to hear what, what somebody says on you know. We we forgot to look at our poll, did we? Well, yeah. What, well, we kind of covered it. Ha, but let's, has, let's have a look at the final. Is that on the fence as well, like it was earlier? Because that would be a really nice I think metaphor. It might have been. To, it, it's not that. Uh, so we've got 408 votes. Okay. 63% of people think yes, and 37% of people say no. Okay. So so it's nearly on the fence. It's nearly on the fence, and that's quite a nice, uh, you know, that's about how I feel towards a lot of things, two thirds to a third. I'm never, I'm generally quite risk averse. I'm generally quite, you know, I'm not one for going all in on something, and that includes on opinions. So that's quite a nice metaphor for for my trading strategy (laughs) brilliant brilliant well thanks for coming on man and uh if you guys are listening on your commute have a great commute if you uh have shortened your commute like jamie harwood then you are banned officially from the podcast (laughs) if you're not commuting doing whatever you're doing uh, whether that be cleaning a bathroom cleaning a toilet going for a run or walking the dog or cleaning your horse's stables then i bid you a very merry day uh sorry if we didn't have time to answer all the questions obviously with all the confusion around the the you know the maths and all that jazz uh there was loads and i think there were just loads of questions in general i think we got like over 60 or something and we whittled it down to 25 some of them were kind of uh, repeat ones so sorry apologies if we didn't get to answer questions thank you very much for listening and have a great day